Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We are so glad that you're here with us today. In the last episode, we started talking about acute stress responses or trauma responses, which are fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And most people are very familiar with fight or flight, but freeze and especially fawn are less known. So if you haven't already listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that and then come back here. But let me do a quick recap of the last episode. So when we encounter a perceived threat, one of the trauma responses is fight. And this is where we're trying to confront the threat. And that could look like angry outbursts, being aggressive, controlling, impulsive, having explosive behavior or bullying. The next one is flight, and that's where we run away from the perceived threat. And that's where we experience anxiety and panic, overthinking, maybe some perfectionistic tendencies, and you'll avoid things. And then there's freeze. And this is where you shut down to block out the threat, to minimize any further damage that can be done by that threat. And how this shows up is depression, dissociation, indecisiveness, feeling numb, spacing out, isolating. And the final one is fawn. And this is where we please and appease the threat. And so oftentimes people don't fit necessarily into the fight or flight or freeze. But this fawn response gives a little more understanding to another possibility of how people can respond. And this is where they have more people-pleasing tendencies, codependency, lack of boundaries, lack of identity. They avoid conflict and they feel like they can't say no. So that was a very brief explanation of the four types of trauma responses. But like I said, go back and listen to episode one. And then today we're going to talk about six tools to better manage your stress response or trauma responses. So let's jump into today's episode. So now let's talk about how do we address the issue of having these responses come out at inappropriate times. One of the things to understand is that if we have a training protocol that we go through, we can help train our brain not to be reactive, but to be responsive to these types of situations. If you've ever been a first responder or you know any first responders, when it comes to these crisis-type situations that they're oftentimes thrust into, they go through continual training over and over and over again about how to respond to these types of situations so that if the situation ever does come up, that it's pounded into your brain. So when you have that acute stress response, even though that initially flares up, that training has been hammered into your brain so well that you can still call that up in that moment and start to enact that. So one of the things that I've experienced is that for a number of years, I was a lifeguard and we went through training before we first started lifeguarding. And every year we had to re-up our certifications on how to do CPR, on if there's a spinal injury, on how to rescue somebody with a spinal injury. If someone's drowning, what do you do when they're drowning? And even though it's been somewhere in the nature of 15 years, even just me saying these things right now, the behavioral responses that I should have in those situations start flying through my mind. So all the different aspects of CPR, when somebody has a neck injury, here's how you handle that. And my mind is even flashing back to and recalling the training that I went through and remembering going through those steps. Now, even though 
if I did find myself in that situation, I would still have that acute stress response happen immediately, very quickly, that training would start to take place. I remember the first time when I was working at a pool and one of the lifeguards had to jump in for a save. And in that moment, the person was up on the tower, I was on the deck, and our procedure was if somebody had to go in from the tower, the person from the deck would have to go and cover the tower and the person in the office would come and cover the deck. And to make sure that if anybody decided to simultaneously start drowning, that all the bases would be covered. Now, I remember in that moment when our emergency protocol went into action, somebody blew their whistle, they jumped in, and immediately I started to take steps in the wrong direction because I wanted to run towards the person that was drowning. But then I got one step away before the training kicked in, and then all of a sudden I went back to where I was supposed to go to go cover that tower to make sure if anybody else was drowning, I could help. Now, that was the very first time I'd ever come into contact with that. But if I had come into contact with that three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times after that, then it would be much more automatic after that. Training yourself on how to deal with these situations is very important towards not just being reactive to it, but being responsive to it, taking the correct and more healthy course of actions. The first step is to gain awareness of when you're engaging in them. Because having the awareness of what our knee-jerk reaction is will help us know how to change and how to respond in a healthier way. And so as you were listening to the four different types, think about which one really resonated with you. And maybe even think about the last situation where you felt like there was a perceived threat. And like we said, this doesn't always have to be a physical threat. So maybe it was somebody talking bad about you or an emotional threat where someone was treating you in a certain way, what was your response to them? Did you confront them? Did you run away from the conflict and not engage? Did you freeze and separate yourself from the situation emotionally, or in a sense play dead? Or did you fawn and appease the threat and try to be that peacemaker even at the expense of yourself? And that's another thing I wanted to add to the fawn response is that a lot of times you can serve and love people, but at this point, it's at the detriment of yourself. You're responding out of fear to other people, and where you're trying to keep the person as happy as possible, even at your own expense. So what is your typical response? What is your normal response that happens when you're faced to a perceived threat? So that first step is awareness. The next step is cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, If you're having a hard time becoming aware of what are your responses, then cognitive behavioral therapy can help you dig in and help identify what those responses are, and then take you on a path on coming up with a solution on how you want to solve that problem. So a good example of this would be the pause technique. This is something we talked about in a previous episode, where when you're getting upset, when you're feeling that acute stress response coming on, you're going to need to take about a five to 30 minute break. And in that five and 30 minute break, What's going to happen is your brain is going to switch from your amygdala operating to your prefrontal cortex operating. And so that cognitive behavioral therapy helps you identify what the problem is you're encountering and then helps give you the solution. And then you have to go home and then enact that. Another thing that would be useful is mindfulness training, where you're being more mindful of what your response is. And it's not necessarily just a reaction. I know Tim had said a lot of these are without thinking. But part of this is training yourself to be mindful of what am I experiencing and even recognizing and being mindful of, is this perceived threat a true threat? 
Because so often, because of our trauma, we're responding to things that are a perceived threat to us, but in reality, they're not a threat anymore. You're maybe in a safe space, but you are responding to this consistent threat and fear of danger that you've had in the past. And so just being mindful of what you're experiencing. And some of this has to be done after the fact. So taking a minute after you've already reacted to think, okay, let's look at the situation and let's think about what is reality, what is true, and begin to train your mind to be mindful of what were you experiencing in that moment that caused you to react in that way. Because we really do want you to respond to things in a healthy manner rather than reacting to things. I think one of the things about our acute stress response is that it's just the baseline protection form. But I do think training is much more effective at actually keeping you safe. But in absence of any kind of training, that acute stress response is still very helpful. We don't want to rely on that acute stress response. We want to have training on how do we deal with these situations in more healthy ways, whether it is a real physical threat or whether it's just an emotional threat. There's better ways to handle it than just reacting. The next is somatic therapies. And so becoming aware of and working on the initial bodily response can help reduce that automatic response action. Because what happens is when you get nervous, when you get scared, when you get fearful, what you're going to feel is this kind of fleshness happening somewhere around in your body. You're going to notice that I'm feeling uncomfortable. And these body cues help drive us into these automatic responses. And so becoming aware of when they're happening, that's one of the initial things that tells you, uh-oh, I'm popping into the acute stress response. Uh-oh, my prefrontal cortex is shutting down and my amygdala is taking over here. And then once you become aware of that, once you feel those physical cues, that's when you can work at managing those so that you can take more control again and then start to guide and direct where you want to go. Now, this wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't mention EMDR at least one time. And EMDR is another way that you can address these four acute stress responses. And when you go through the EMDR process, basically what's happening is your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala are communicating back and forth. And your prefrontal cortex is telling the amygdala, a lot of times my clients will get this devil and angel on the shoulder type interaction where their prefrontal cortex telling them, hey, it's okay. Hey, we can solve this. And the amygdala is trying to say, no, 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 it's dangerous. This is bad. This awful thing is going to happen. And then eventually that prefrontal cortex is able to convince the amygdala, hey, you don't have to worry. I got this. I know the solution to this problem. And at the end of the process, what happens is as the negative emotional responses start to wane away, the prefrontal cortex starts to feed you more positive responses. Oh, in this situation, in the future, I would do this. And so it's almost this in vivo process that your brain goes through where it presents this negative situation, but then it discovers what a good solution would be to it. And so then when those situations do come up, they produce very little anxiety or not any anxiety at all because your brain has already worked through that and come up with a solution that it can go about enacting when that problem comes up. And so when you go through EMDR, it's this training process that your brain takes you through without you ever actually having to train with boots on the ground. And the last thing that we want to talk about is self-care practices. Regular physical activity, good sleep hygiene, a healthy diet, all of that contributes to a better overall mood and decreased anxiety, which that in turn can then influence how intensely we experience the trauma responses 
and how quickly we can calm down from them once we do experience some kind of perceived threat. And you can just look at your own life. When your physical needs aren't met and you're not sleeping well, we're a lot quicker to outbursts of anger. We're a lot more impatient and we're not responding in the way that we'd like to and in the way that we know we are capable of if we were to be at our best in all areas. Those baser animal instincts start to kind of come out in order to protect you. And so you're going to become much more reactionary when you haven't been meeting those baseline bodily needs that you have. All right, you guys, we hope that this episode has been helpful to you and that you were able to learn more about the different stress responses and were able to identify which one you respond to, which one you relate to the most, as well as figure out how do we fix this? How do we begin to respond in a healthier manner? We hope you guys have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.